Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome to another brand new episode of This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Friday, January 7th, 2022. We are now in the new year, so happy new year, everyone. Hope you guys enjoyed your Christmas holiday. Um, if you don't celebrate Christmas, whatever other holidays you celebrate, um, I'm glad that we finally made it to this new year. And of course, because I live in New Jersey, it wouldn't be winter without a snow day. We had about four to five inches of snow today, so we had off of work. So I'm just chilling in the house, prepping this episode. Gonna be, I'm excited that I'm able to get it done and out to you um, pretty much by this evening before any game starts so I can give you some picks, um, my, some analysis. Maybe I'll throw it up there on the Twitter sphere when I'm done and you could uh, sift through and, and find my picks. But Here's what I'll say. I've been I've been hitting it off good with my bets lately. Ended the new year pretty good. Started the new year a little rough. Um, lost back to back back to back bets in one day, but thankfully I didn't bet much. So it was fifty bucks. Then boom, turned around, won that back and some. So we're continuing to roll it on. Little little upset because yesterday there was a bunch of games I wanted to bet on, but I was just being too indecisive and I I didn't pull the trigger and jump on those. So a little disappointed, but that's okay. They were all winners and uh, I could have won some money, but we're on to bigger and better things. We've got a big game between the Nets and the Bucks tonight, which we'll talk about um, later on in the show. Of course, we're going to get to the Antonio Brown saga that just continues to keep on. This is the gift that keeps on giving more and more is coming out on this. Um, yesterday, Bruce Arians spoke I'll talk about all that, uh, but we're going to dive right in, okay? And we are going to start with our week, uh, what is it, 17 roundup, if you will. There is, of course, one more week to go. We have games tomorrow. I'll get to those later as well. But let's jump in. Let's start off with this Bengals stack that is Joe Burrow and co. They knocked me out of the playoffs in fantasy football in the semifinals. I got dookied on. Um, I am not afraid to admit it. I had my second best week of the season in the semis, put up 145 and lost to a guy that put up 222 points, setting a new league record. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm a little upset. I'm salty over it. I've never finished better than third place in this league ever. Never made it to the finals. This was my chance. Got the bye. And if I would have played in the other semifinal matchup, I would have smoked them. And I should have been in the finals and at least getting some money because I would have got smoked in, in the finals. Um, I did. I barely put up 100 points if that. But anyway, um, you know, we move on. There's always next year. So let's talk about those Bengals. Joe Burrow threw for 500 yards, put up 52 fantasy points two weeks ago. Then he comes back against probably the hottest team in the NFL that's not named the Green Bay Packers, that being the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. 
okay? The proverbial favorite coming out of the AFC to make it to the Super Bowl, although they will not get the number one seed in the AFC, more than likely. But their defense has turned it around. Um, They've been playing phenomenal uh, football. They've been getting things going. Mahomes is starting to turn the ball over a little bit less. Spagnola's got that D riding. I've never seen a turnaround like this ever. And what happens? Joe Burrow says no problem. And they beat the Kansas City Chiefs 34 to 31. What did Burrow do? Oh, he only threw for 446 yards, 266 of which went to Jamar Chase, who also had three receiving touchdowns in this game. The week prior, it was all T. Higgins, now Jamar Chase. It seems like, um, you know, Burrow just finds that guy from you know, one week to the next, but really it's been Jamar all season long. He has accumulated 1,429 yards, a new rookie receiving record, and he did it in just 16 games. So yes, it does count. He did it in one less game. He did not do it in 18 games, you know, adding on this Fugazi uh, 18th game. Oh my God. And it's very interesting because preseason, most experts projected the Cincinnati Bengals to finish last in this division. If you remember back to that draft a year ago when they took Joe Burrow, there was a lot of speculation. Would Joe Burrow pull an Eli Manning and say he's not going to Cincinnati and force a a trade out of Cincinnati? No, he goes there. And what does he do in one year? He gets them to a title in the AFC North and to the playoffs. Even more interesting There was a lot of controversy behind the Bengals, specifically from myself, I will admit this, and the Bengals were a mess last year. Joe Burrow almost got his leg torn off and missed the entire season because his offensive line is really, really bad. So you figured coming into this season with a top pick, they would address the the line issues and go and draft themselves an offensive lineman. Well, no, Joe Burrow clamored, we must draft my former college teammate at LSU, Jamar Chase. The Bengals fell for it. They went ahead and they made their quarterback happy by drafting Jamar Chase. And what has he done? Set records and prove that this is one of the top wide receiver uh, tandems in the NFL. You've got Tyler Boyd, you've got T. Higgins, and you've got Jamar Chase. I mean, these guys are getting getting it done. Then you got Joe Mixon in the backfield. So they're, they're a team to watch out for. Uh, my brother just texted me not 30 minutes ago saying, what do I think about the Bengals at plus 2000 to win the Super Bowl? Let's not forget the Bengals started the season off with a tough gritty win against Minnesota. We now know that Minnesota is seven and nine out of the playoffs. They're not the team we thought they were. So it's an eh win. Then they lost to the Chicago bears who we all know, John, uh, a Matt Nagy, I I keep saying John, Matt Nagy is a dead man walking. He's on his way out of Chicago. He will most likely be fired after week 18, okay? They've gone through three different quarterbacks there in in Chicago, so that's not a great win. They also lost to the Jets. Yes, they played the... they they played the Packers close. They lost by three there. Uh, they had a couple other you know nice wins. They beat Denver fifteen to ten. Eh, you know, but they they are playing their better football these last two weeks. Beating Baltimore, doing what they did, and then beating the Kansas City Chiefs. It, it's not going unnoticed. I just think their Buffalo a few years ago when they were starting to really get things going, and then they were just like a year away, and then they really clicked and like. 
they did last year, Buffalo, getting to that AFC championship game. Um, I do think Buffalo is a sleeper right now. They're, they weren't playing their best football. They started to turn it on the last couple of weeks, and I think this could be a really interesting um, th- thing developing there w- with the Buffalo Bills. If they can get any semblance of a ground game going, I think they're going to be an intriguing team. Yes, Cincinnati. Are they in the mix? Yes. Can anyone win the AFC? Sure. Can they get to that AFC championship game? Sure. Why not? Are they going to? Probably not. Are they going to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl? More more than likely, no. So you want to throw 10 bucks on the Bengals? Sure. Throw 100? I advise against it. Great odds for a reason because they're not likely to get there or even win. So my, my, my teams right now that I would say, of course, the number one seeded Packers in the NFC, I'm not discounting the Kansas City Chiefs by a long shot. The Titans are an intriguing matchup because they should be getting Derrick Henry back for the playoffs. Without Henry, no shot. With Henry, they have a chance because they, they are, mo- if they win um, this weekend, they get, they lock up the one seed and they get the bye. Very much needed. You get Derrick Henry back. Now we're talking. Um, And then on the NFC side, like I said, you've got the Packers. I really like what the Rams are doing right now. Um, They could be a little bit of fool's gold. I could see one game where they just maybe play a team like the 49ers and get shut out. Um, I also, I'm not going to discount the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, despite everything going on with that uh, Antonio Brown situation. I don't think they'll let it affect them, but they are minus Chris Godwin now and Antonio Brown, so they are going to need to fill that void somehow, some way. Um, So that's my rant on the playoffs. All right. We just spoke about the Titans, right? They have a chance to lock up the number one seed in the AFC. The reason for that, they beat up big time on the Miami Dolphins, who could, you could argue were one of the hottest teams in football having won seven straight. Okay, that win knocks the Dolphins out of the playoffs, which, shocker, Dolphins did that to themselves last year, lost in the final week badly when they had a chance to make the playoffs, and they did it again. Okay, so I spoke about the, the I spoke already about the, um, the Titans, so we all know they could get Derrick Henry back and they could be a force. I also just spoke about the Bills. Well, We're not sure where they're going to fall in line, but the Bills and Patriots are both in the playoffs. It's just a matter of if one loses and the other wins, who's going to finish in first and get the division title versus getting that, um, what, sixth seed, I think, behind the Colts for, for the wild card. And believe it or not, these two teams could end up facing off in the first round of the playoffs. I'm all for it. We could use round three. We all know what happened the first two rounds um, with the Patriots smoking them um, in in the first matchup and the Bills coming back a couple weeks ago to reclaim that division title, uh, that that lead for the division with with a win. Uh, So yeah, that that would be a great first round matchup. And then um, we have the final spot is up for grabs in the AFC, that seven spot. And that is going to come down to Sunday night football against the uh, with the Chargers against the Raiders. Okay, if the Chargers win, they're in. If the Raiders win, they're in. Now, here is a really intriguing scenario that I just saw. If the Colts, who have the five seed, so the Colts have the top wild card spot right now at nine and seven, then you have the Patriots who are nine and seven and the Chargers who are nine and seven. If the Colts were to lose in Jacksonville, 
in week 18, a place that they haven't won in since 2014, mind you. If the Colts lose that game and the, uh, excuse me, the Chargers and Raiders play Sunday night football so they would already know that they've lost, if both those teams decide, hey, why don't we just tie? Let's kneel the ball all game and tie. Then both the Raiders and Chargers would be in the playoffs and the Colts would be out. I can't say that I want to see that happen. Um, I would love to see Jonathan Taylor in the playoffs. I am a Derek Carr fan. I think all that the Raiders have been through, it would be amazing to see them make the playoffs. But I've got to say, um, I've been behind my guy all season long. I want to see Austin Eckler in the playoffs. I want to see what the Chargers can do and see if they can make a move or not. And I just don't see the Raiders being that team. The Raiders are really up, up and down sort of team and I just don't think that they would do anything should they make the playoffs. Sorry Raiders fans. Um on the flip side, the NFC wildcard race is down to two teams as well. You've got the 49ers and the Saints. Believe it or not, the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the teams that I said was possibly in the running for a top 5 draft pick as one of the worst teams in the NFL, well, they proved me wrong and clinched a playoff spot. I don't think it's going to do much for them. I don't think they're going to win or go very far, but it is an unbelievable feat that that team has made the playoffs. So now it is down to the Niners and Saints. Niners are nine and seven, so simply win and they are in. The Saints on the flip side somehow are eight and eight. They started the year with Jameis Winston. They went to Trevor Simeon, and now they are on their third quarterback in Taysom Hill, okay? And so let's just look at this. Let's break it down. We've got week 18 coming up, first time ever, right? You've got the 49ers. Can they lose? Can the Saints get in if the 49ers lose? Yes. Who are the 49ers playing? Oh, you know, the Rams who are vying for that number one spot, okay? With the Packers, I don't know if they can get it should the Packers lose to the Lions. I'm not really sure about tiebreakers there, so we're not really sure if they're going to rest their players or not. But it is possible the 49ers could lose that game. The Rams might look at the 49ers and say, we don't want them in the playoffs. They're a dangerous team. Let's take care of them now so we don't have to face them in the playoffs. And then the Saints, they're 8-8. Eight and eight and they get to play host to the Falcons, who are 7-9. and nine. That is a divisional matchup that's probably going to be low scoring. I would take the under in that anywhere. If it's under, say, 45 or 48 points, I would take it around there. And um, I think the Falcons are looking to play upset and, and win this game. They have been a tough out. They, they play every opponent within one score or so. There's probably some outliers in there mixed in there but uh yeah that so that's basically your playoff scenarios that's what it comes down to and i'm looking forward to it we've also got some games on tomorrow um which would be the uh january 8th so we've got the browns uh excuse me the broncos hosting the chiefs the chiefs are up to i think 11 point favorites in that game and i would probably take the chiefs i don't think teddy bridgewater is going to play in that game you've also got the cowboys at Eagles, that is Cowboys favored by four points. Um, I haven't respected the Eagles all season, so why would I continue to do so now? I will take Cowboys minus four in that game, so I'm taking the two favorites there. And those are the only games on tomorrow. Those games being at 4.30 and 8.15. All right, let's jump in and talk a little bit about this Antonio Brown saga, okay? So 
by now you all know what happened with Antonio Brown. Let's back it up just slightly because Antonio Brown, it came out a few weeks ago that he had a fake vaccination card that was presented to the Bucs who then basically submitted it to the NFL and it went on all season. Well, they determined a few weeks ago, I guess it was like a disgruntled chef that Antonio Brown didn't pay or owed money to that basically was the whistleblower on this whole thing. There was an investigation and it came back. Yes, Antonio Brown submitted a fake vaccination card, which is a federal offense, um, but he's Antonio Brown. So he got a three game suspension, as did like two other Bucks players, like lesser known Bucks players, got suspended for three games. Bruce Arians and the Bucks decided not to cut bait and walk away from the Antonio Brown situation then and there. Because why? I'll tell you why. Winning solves everything. The Bucs needed Antonio Brown to win that Super Bowl last year, and they need Antonio Brown more than ever now that Chris Godwin is out for the season. So they decided we're going to let him serve his suspension and we're going to bring him back. Okay, in the third quarter of this game against the Jets last weekend, in which the Jets were dominating all game, and of course in Jets fashion, last second the Bucs win the game 28-24, Antonio Brown in the third quarter refused to sub into the game after which uh, Bruce Arians had coach Bruce Arians then told him to get lost. He told him, you're done. Get out of here. Brown then proceeded to take off his jersey and pads on the sideline and started jogging off the field shirtless. Basically, he was ripping off his undershirt and gloves and throwing them into the crowd. And then while the Bucks were basically um, huddled up the game was going on. Antonio Brown's in the end zone, dancing, waving goodbye to, to fans as he hits the tunnel and disappears. Okay. He was eventually picked up. I thought he was taken to the airport. He was filmed by some celebrity chauffeur, some guy that drives around Saquon Barkley and some other Giants and Jets players, maybe. They filmed this video. Antonio Brown's in the background, waving in the backseat, saying this is going to be real good for my Netflix special. The guy deletes it, reposts it without audio. Okay, I thought that was it. I thought Brown left to the airport, gone back to Florida, wherever. No, he showed up on Monday at the Nets-Grizzlies game, in which the Nets got blown out. Grizzlies, hottest team in NBA right now, but besides the point. All right, so then it just continues. Since then, Brown released uh, a lengthy statement through his lawyer because now he's fighting back against the Bucks and whatnot, right? He claims that he was injured coming into this game, an ankle injury, and that Bucks uh, head coach Bruce Arians, who actually said after the game that he was unaware of any injury, that AB never told him about any injury, and that's totally false. Brown then took himself out of the game, and when he informed Arians it was because of his ankle, Arians immediately told him he was done and ran his finger across his throat like cutting your throat, like you're dead, like basically you're done. You're off this team, gone. This is according to Antonio Brown. AB then goes on to say he had an MRI done before the game that shows medical issues in his ankle. The Bucks wanted him then. Of course, they're like trying to force him because he's technically still on the team even after this game in the uh, you know preceding days. The Bucks wanted him to go see their doctor at hospital for special surgery in New York, 
but Antonio Brown refuses, saying he's already seen the top doctor in that hospital, Dr. O'Malley, um, who he claims said his ankle has a has broken bone fragments stuck in there, the ligament torn from the bone and cartilage loss. Brown also claims that he scheduled surgery there already. I'm not sure if he had the surgery done or what, but he said he's going to get the surgery and then he's going to come back even stronger next year and try to play again. So this is all through his lawyers. So this has become a legal matter and we're really going to have to wait and see how this plays out. Um, so yeah, just, just insanity. People saying, you know, experts in, in the league saying um, they've never seen anything like what transpired in that Jets game. All right, let's talk a little NBA. Thunder rookie Josh Giddy posted a triple-double, 17 points, 13 rebounds, 14 assists in OKC's 95-86 to loss to Dallas on Sunday. Why is this significant? Well, Josh Giddy has become the youngest rookie in NBA history to record a triple-double. This topped LaMelo Ball's triple-double from a season ago. Giddy, just 19 years and 84 days old, at the time of the triple-double compared with Ball's 19 years and 140 days. And if you don't know anything about Josh Giddy, why would you? He plays on one of the worst teams in the NBA. He is an Australian-born basketball player who was just most recently drafted in April's April in, in this past, um, what is it, June? June's NBA draft. And yeah, he's putting up some ridiculous numbers as a 19-year-old. Okay, rising U.S. men's national team soccer star Ricardo Pepe is headed from FC Dallas to FC Augsburg in the Bundesliga for a $20 million transfer fee. This would be the largest ever fee for a homegrown MLS player. This is a very, very big deal. Oh, my God. Oh, and uh, Pepe happens to turn 19 next week. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, on Saturday afternoon, ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard made headlines as they took aim and fired at the trend of draft prospects opting out of bowl games that are not playoff matchups. This is very interesting because it's more... It's more about what happened after these comments that has people talking, but um, I'll give you a listen to what these guys said. Here it is. Uh, let me just pull it up, and we will hit play. Here we go. Money, the amount of money. Like, what's the difference as a player in saying these games are meaningless when, as we played in, quote-unquote, meaningless games? I mean, I know you guys were right. here a lot, but I just don't understand. If you don't make it to the playoff, how is it? meaningless to yeah. play football and compete isn't that what we do as right. football players we we compete so yeah. I, I don't know if i don't know if changing and expanding it yeah. is going to ch change anything i really don't i think this era of player just doesn't love football that's what i was about to say we're dealing with a total men different mentality when we're dealing with these um student athletes nowadays especially the football players i mean their whole mentality right now is about the championship the playoff we got to get into the the cfb or the cfp and because of that they don't value the bowl games now when we were coming up herf street myself like to go to a bowl game was a huge reward for a fantastic season that's what it meant it's like okay 
your team played this well, so you're going to be rewarded by going to this bowl game. You're going to get a ring. You're going to get swag. Now, kids don't really care about that. They're, they're, they, they have a sense of entitlement. And it's like, if we're not going to the one that matters, then, you know, it just doesn't have as much value to them as it did us growing up. I, I think it. Yeah, um, I have to agree wholeheartedly because at heart, I'm a competitor. And I, I tell my friend when we play Madden all the time, he could be blowing me out. You know, it could be, say, 21 nothing in the second quarter, right? Now, this doesn't happen often, but that's just an example. It could be 21 nothing in this in the second quarter. And he says, just quit. We could get another game in or we can get an extra game in before I have to go or whatever. And I always say no. Why? Because I'm not a quitter. I never believe I'm down and out until that final clock hits double zeros, right? And there's been plenty of times where I don't win and I don't make that comeback and I still get blown out. But that one time that I make that comeback and I win, it is satisfying, it is gratifying, and it feels oh so good. And so as a competitor, I am never the type of person that is going to bow out and leave my team basically holding the bag and, and, and you know, to take an L for selfish reasons. And I get it. It's a business. The NFL is a business. You're, you have millions of dollars on the line, right? And, and, you know, you have to do what you have to do for your family and for yourself to, to get that money, right? Because it's not a given. You could be a first round pick, Jamarcus Russell, and never make it. But guess what? Jamarcus Russell made his millions, like 40 million, and never amounted to anything in the NFL. But he's gonna—he's a hell of a lot wealthier than I will ever be, more than likely. Um, so, yeah, there's that, there's that aspect of it. And I did argue with one of my friends about this who said that um, you have to be selfish and worry about yourself because it is a business. But I— you know, personally, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and say, you know, that, and how do I say this? I'm not going to sit here and bash somebody who makes the right decision to bow out of a bowl game. And then they become a first round top 10 pick and they make all the, and they make a bunch of money. I can't fault them for that. But to me, it's not something that I would do. And that's why I have to agree with Kirk and Desmond Howard because they're my type of old school player. I, I just, I, it's so bizarre for me to say that I'm an old school type of, you know, personality or have an old school type of, you know, way of thinking, but it, it, it is, it's, it's what it's become. Okay. You have your NIL deals. You can make your millions off of that and you can still play. Now, why this really blew up is the fact that we had the Sugar Bowl later that night, and what happened? We saw it. First quarter, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral, who's a projected top 10 pick, suffers a very bad, ugly-looking leg injury, and he misses the rest of the game. Okay, that's what happened. And of course, we're going to blow it out of proportion and say, well, look at that. His draft stock could be, he could be, it could be shot now. He might not get draft. No. All right. He got x-rays. They're negative. He's fine. He's probably going to be a top 10 pick anyway. Let's not blow this out of proportion. I have to um, commend him for actually sticking with it and, and choosing to play. Uh, but the reason he might not get drafted highly enough 
isn't because he chose to play in this game or not. It's going to be how he interviews, um, how he answers certain questions. He got into a fight with Wayne Gretzky's son. He transferred all these different things. That's what bothers me in today's day and age is the transferring. And I'll get into it a little bit uh, uh, pretty much next, right after I talk about the Monday night football game um, between the Steelers and Browns. But the transferring is out of control. And I think this NIL stuff has a big part to play in this now. It's just all the shady backdoor dealings that were going on before, and now it's just legal, and it's at the forefront, and we're seeing it in our faces. Um, but it, it, that's a joke, too. So um, I have to say that I don't agree with players opting out, although this year that number seemed to be a lot less. It wasn't a, a significant number by any stretch, so I, I do like to see that. All right, let's quickly talk Big Ben um, and the Steelers. Roethlisberger wins an ugly 26-14 game. I actually did not watch any of this game. I went to bed about 9.30, first time in a long time. I just wanted to get to bed early. I knew this game would suck, didn't bet on it, and I'm glad I didn't watch it, but possibly Big Ben's final game ever at Heinz Field. More than likely, he's retiring. He finished 24 of 46 for two, excuse me, 123 yards. Yikes. Somehow that was still better than Baker Mayfield's 16 for 38 effort. Um, there's been a lot of talk surrounding Baker Mayfield and whether he is the quarterback of the future for the Browns. Who knows what the future holds? The Browns are not making the playoffs this year. They're seven and nine currently, and they maybe in line looking for another quarterback. I will say this, Baker Mayfield, he he's set to have off-season shoulder surgery. I know that plagued him for much of the season, so maybe he they, he gets another year and comes back and, and proves himself, but not looking good for Baker. And then, of course, the Steelers going to be in line for another quarterback as well. All right, back to the transfer portal. Um, basically, Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams sent shockwaves through the nation, through the sports world, when he announced his entry into the portal um, on, what was it, Monday or Tuesday? Then you had former UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who had originally committed to transfer to UCLA. He hears Caleb Williams enter the transfer portal. He's like, oh, shnikey. He's like, bye UCLA. And then he flips hours later to Oklahoma, despite Caleb Williams saying that returning to the Sooners is still an option. I'm not buying it. Gabriel's not buying it. No way. Why would you enter the portal and say, well, I might, I could still go back to Oklahoma. Not happening by a long stretch. To make matters even more interesting, there is one Charlie Batch. If you remember, Charlie Batch is a former NFL journeyman quarterback who is now actively trying to recruit Williams to his alma mater, Eastern Michigan. He took to Twitter to pitch Williams, saying that there is a million-dollar NIL deal in it for him should he transfer in and play for the Eastern Michigan Eagles. This could get interesting. Next up, you have former Texas A&M quarterback Zach Calzada. He is transferring out and heading to Auburn to replace Bo Nix, who transferred to Oregon a few weeks ago. 
Then you have former LSU quarterback and son of Super Bowl winning quarterback Brad Johnson, Max, who is now at Texas A&M to replace Zach Calzada. Can you keep up with all of this craziness that's going on in the transfer portal? I cannot. And then finally, you have former TCU running back and five-star recruit Zach Evans, Lane Kiffin's newest weapon at Ole Miss. All right, that's enough of the transfer portal stuff. Let's get back to the NBA really quickly. You have Rajon Rondo. He has officially become a Cleveland Cavalier. The Lakers, Knicks, and Cavs completed a three-team trade on Monday evening to send Rondo from L.A. to Cleveland. Probably a better fit for Rondo because the Cavs are more than likely a lock to make the playoffs at this point. They're playing really good basketball. Uh, Rondo, of course, is insurance now for the Cavs, who just lost Ricky Rubio for the year. Remember that game where I told you he was one uh, rebound or assist away from a triple-double when he destroyed his knee, and now he is out for the year. Some interesting news in the world of sports cards. Fanatics has acquired Tops officially. So last year, if you'll remember, Fanatics picked up licensing rights from Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball Players Association, the NBA, the National Basketball uh, Players Association, and the NFL Players Association. This led many in the industry to believe that Tops would have pretty much zero shot to do anything unless they sold their rights to Fanatics which is now the preeminent power in licensed merchandising. All right, so now you fast forward. Fanatics is starting a next-gen trading card company that will give sports entities such as the National Basketball Players Association and NBA, along with the MLB and Major League Baseball Players Association, actual partnerships in the venture. The... National Basketball Players Association and NBA will have equities in the new ventures with Fanatics. Now, Fanatics' deal with MLB will make it the league's trading card licensee when Topps' current deal expires in 2025. And a little bit about Fanatics' background, they are led by Michael Rubin, who is the founder and executive chairman who has taken over as chief executive. He is also co-owner of the 76ers and New Jersey Devils. So this makes a lot of sense on where, in terms of where that's all coming from. Okay, there was a scary scene Sunday in Washington. I'm sure you've all seen the video circulating on Twitter, Instagram, etc. When an entire barricade of fans nearly fell into the leg of Jalen Hurts. Would have snapped his leg. Um, as, so Jalen Hurts is coming, walking off the field. Fans are coming towards the side of the bleachers. And they're waving and trying to get closer in pictures and videos of Jalen Hurts. And then the railing gives way. They fall and nearly crush Jalen Hurts. And one guy... Oh, Poor, the poor guy, you could see he lands on his face and Jalen Hurts stops and he's helping them up and everybody seems to be okay. And then they, you know, hug it out and whatnot. But it could have been very serious. Many people um, wondering how this could have happened. The stadium's not that old. Um, Jalen Hurts was disturbed by the entire situation that he actually penned a letter to team owner Dan Snyder urging him to secure the bleachers. 
Um, Speaking of Washington football team, they announced that they will pick a new team name on February 2nd. Here are the reported finalists. The Washington Commanders, Washington Armada, Admirals, Red Hogs, Presidents, or Sentinels. Now, if it were my choice, I'd go Red Hogs all day. And the people spoke in the Athletic uh, Daily Pulse newsletter. A whopping 62% wanted to see Red Hogs. Now, Red Tails was a write-in vote. I, I really would have enjoyed the Red Tails, as a matter of fact. Um, to the, that, That's an ode to like the Tuskegee Care, uh, uh, Airmen back in the day. And I really think that that would be a cool name. But these are the reported finalists. I really... If they're going to go with one, just go with the commanders. But Red Hog sounds pretty cool. I hope they don't do something stupid like Washington presidents. I just cannot get behind something so stupid like that. Admirals, I'm not, I'm not, you know, um, I'm not totally against that. But those are the reported uh, finalists for team names. All right, got to talk about my alma mater, Rutgers. Finally, for the first time ever, they have defeated Michigan in basketball 75-67. to I'm not taking anything away from Rutgers because I know Michigan is dealing with COVID issues, injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but a win is a win, and Rutgers is now 2-1 in conference play, 8-5 overall. They've now beaten number one Purdue at the time, of course, on that buzzer beater by Ron Harper Jr., and now Michigan, and their lone loss was a, ba- a blowout to Illinois. So they're currently fifth in the in Big Ten uh, conference right now. So, you know, I'm all here for it. And uh, Rutgers is back in action tomorrow where they will play bottom feeder Nebraska, who I believe is 0-4 in conference play. They better get the job done and get that W. All right, last night we had Ohio State. They were trounced against the Hoosiers in in uh, Indiana, unranked Indiana, a few days. Uh, okay, excuse me. Yeah, they lost. I was looking for the final score. I knew I had it here somewhere. Indiana won that game 67-51 to over Ohio State last night. Funny thing, I actually thought about, I saw the halftime score. I'm like, number 13, Ohio State. They're only down four at half. Why are they such big underdogs? And I almost uh, bet them without watching that first half. Thank God I decided against it because my gut told me otherwise. Yeah, they got smoked. And then you had Wisconsin a few days after knocking off number three, Purdue. They took out Iowa 87-78 for their fourth straight win. I think there's something like 12-2. and two. Wisconsin moving on up the ranks. They're going to be in the, top, in the top 15 or so. All right, we've got to talk about some some bizarre stuff going on at the Australian Open with with uh, world number one tennis player Novak Djokovic. Um, he was originally granted a vaccine exemption. Okay, after a rigorous review, all this craziness, he was given a medical exemption. Well, then I think yesterday he was detained at the Melbourne airport, and it, it it's just stirred you know, started a media circus surrounding this. So here's what happened. On Tuesday, he received he received an exemption after open officials said they thoroughly reviewed his application. After receiving the exemption, he filed for a visa to enter the country. The Australian government denied it 
stating that this type of visa doesn't allow for a medical exemption to the COVID-19 vaccine. I'm sorry. Um, if you don't know what's going on in Australia, that is one of the craziest, most locked down countries with COVID I've ever seen. I've seen videos, a guy's out jogging, nobody's near him and he gets like tackled by like five officers. It, it, it's insane. Uh, just because he's not wearing a mask, it's just absolutely insane. So they are taking COVID, uh, super seriously. And I am so glad that I'm not in that country because it's, it's absolutely insane. You can't do anything or go anywhere. Uh, the Australian prime minister, one Scott Morrison had this to say, we await his presentation and what evidence he provides to support the exemption. If that evidence is insufficient, then he won't be treated different to anyone else and he'll be on the next plane home. Okay, great. You're making yourselves look very foolish. You're not allowing the world's number one tennis player to play in the Australian Open. And what's even better is there were no vaccine mandates a year ago when COVID was worse and we were playing sports. So this is why I laugh because we're getting stricter and stricter with these mandates and now uh, booster shots. If you don't have a, excuse me, they're implementing um, everyday testing to, to certain players. I forget what sport I saw this in. Um, it might be the NBA. They're going to start implementing daily testing if you don't have a booster shot. Okay. This stuff is crazy. Um, you know, I've been following certain doctors and professionals who are supposed to be, you know, experts on this situation that are being censored by the media because this is all, you know, everybody wants mass vaccination. That's pretty much what this comes down to. And they're saying that these shots and each booster we're getting does not help. And from what I'm hearing, the vaccine isn't even helping against Omicron as it is. So um, I've heard that it's Omicron is so transmissible that for every one person that gets it, they're spreading it to set front to seven to 10 people, whereas Delta was like two or four people. It's just insane. We're all going to get Omicron, but it's it's like a cold. You get a sore throat, some headaches, maybe some chill, whatever, a fever. I don't know. But it, 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 this is crazy that we're just going to stop living our lives um, because of this thing. We have to just learn to live with it and be vigilant, um, be diligent. And, you know, that's that. If we're outside, I don't see a problem. Sporting events outside, fine. If you're inside, okay, you know, get tested. If you're negative, you can go, whatever. But it's just, it's crazy. We're seeing, I'm seeing videos of people in their cars in the snow, literally block after block after waiting in one line to get tested when they might not have a single symptom. But, oh, I was with a family member over Christmas and they tested positive and they have a cold right now. If, even if you test positive, they're not doing anything for you. If you can't breathe or you have one of those really bad cases, go to the hospital. But from what I know, nobody's dying from Omicron. It's not close to what it was a year ago. So that's my little rant there. Um, I It just, yeah, leave it at that. Okay, now let's talk about Kyrie Irving. He made his debut. Another situation with COVID. Kyrie refuses to get vaccinated, and he says that he basically... Um, will not conform to the standard. He wants to stand, you know, stand up for those that don't have a voice, yada, yada, yada. Okay, Kyrie was brought back by the Nets. They decided we're going to bring him back. Kyrie can only play in road games for the Nets. 
it's going to be like, I don't know, 20 games, if that. He can only play in road games because New York has implemented a, a mandate where you can't work in New York if you are not vaccinated. But here's the kicker. If you are a visiting player, so say the Grizzlies who came into town against the Nets on Monday, if they have any unvaccinated players, they can play in Barclays Center, but one Kyrie Irving cannot. Talk about hypocrisy. So Kyrie Irving plays um, and finishes with 22 points. He actually had a plus minus uh, a plus six of plus 16 in the Nets. Eight point win, 129 to 121. Another road victory for the Nets. This was a dicey start for my Brooklyn Nets as they were down by as many as 19. Right before the half, about three minutes left, I jumped on the Nets at plus 155, dropped a hundo on them because I was feeling super confident in the Nets to win this game. Let's face it, they already came back down 16 against the Pacers earlier this year. Pacers on a back-to-back, second night of a back-to-back. Uh, so the Nets did end up coming back and winning that game, but it was a bad, bad beat because the Pacers scored in the final seconds to cut a 10-point lead to eight, and the spread was eight and a half. So sorry to anyone who bet that spread. Got to talk about this guy, uh, Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson was recently signed to a 10-day contract by the Indiana Pacers. This is like his second stint with the Pacers. So he was making his debut um, in Indiana. As soon as he got up, the crowd was going nuts when he checked into the game in the first quarter. And oh my God, he had a career night. He scored 20 points off the bench in the first quarter. He went on to put up 30 in the loss. And thankfully, exactly what I expected happened. The Pacers ran out of juice late. They had offensive rebounds and they just can't, couldn't hit open threes. So the Nets were able to run away with this one late, but wow, 30 points. He, he put up 20 in the first quarter. I think they said the last person to do that was like Steph a few years ago. It was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, so yeah, but Kyrie Irving looks good. He's happy to be back. He looked like he was having a lot of fun on the, um, you know, on the bench with his teammates. And guess what? He's unvaccinated and he just had COVID. So he has immunity. So he should be able to play. Let's use some common sense in this whole thing. All right, we'll pivot from the Nets and talk about the New York Knickerbockers. Like I said at the top of the show, I really wanted to bet some games last night, the Knicks over the Celtics being one of them. This spread was one, so basically you're just picking the Net, uh, the Knicks to win this game. And I texted my friend and I was saying um, that I, I like the Knicks, but it's the Knicks and I don't like them enough to bet on them. And what do you know, the Knicks found themselves down at, as much as 25 points, but that was all Evan Fournier needed to hear, scoring a career-high 42 points to lead the Knicks all the way back. And while this game was tied at 105 apiece, because Jason Tatum hit that nasty step back to tie the game at 105, you had one R.J. Barrett for the win. Lance Barrett, get a shot up. This is for the win. Oh, it's good! Off the window! R.J. Barrett wins it for the Knicks! (laughs) 
Boston does a great job. Tatum is right there. He just throws it up, desperation, and gets it off the glass. Four for 15 on the night, but he made the one he had to make. Great game and a great finish. Tatum went to that left hand. Barrett's strong hand, but he got it off. He calls glass, and the Knicks call game. Yes, they did. The Knicks called game, and R.J. Barrett nails it off. Gla- I mean, just it was the luckiest shot ever, um, and he banked it in, and the Knicks win. So a little salty. I could have won some good money on that game. Uh, Memphis was another one. They were like 13-point favorites, and they're the hottest team in the NBA right now, and I should have jumped on them. And then the Suns last night, uh, eight-and-a-half-point favorites. They won big as well, so... There were some games there last night I could have won some money on, but that's fine. We'll go into the weekend. We'll get the job done. And, um, yeah, more on this game. A few possessions before that final buzzer beater, you saw Julius Randle um, hit a tough shot in the paint over, um, I think, Robert Williams, who's a premier defender, uh, big-time shot blocker. And as he's running back, he gives the old Javi Baez thumbs down, which we all know what that means. That's a big F you to the crowd and to the fans. Why? Because the fans were booing the Knicks early in this game as they were down 25 in the first half. Well, let's... Let's hear what the TNT crew had to say about this. Not a great look. I get this is the new era. These players, you know, they have a gripe with the fans. Michael Jordan's never going to do this, okay? Derek Jeter never in his life would have thought to do this. So why are these guys doing it? Here's what the TNT crew had to say. So... Uh no, I, 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 yes, he shouldn't engage in the fans. He's too good a player. He's an NBA All-Star. He was player, like, he was probably the most improved player last he, year. He was. He and doesn't he, have to engage with 19,000 people that really are there. Just, they really want to cheer him. They actually want to cheer him. But when they're not cheering and the Knicks are losing, everyone knows that that is a city that's going to boo their team. They're not going to cheer them on. They know that they, they're going to do that. That's I, one of the cities. Philadelphia is another place. If you're playing bad, they're going to boo. I, I never understand why players think you're supposed to get cheered when you're playing bad. I, I've never, like, no, you're going to get booed when you're playing bad. Even by and, your home and, team. And, and you're going to get cheered when you win. This notion, it happened in baseball, a kid for the Mets this year. No, it was Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor, Kevin Pillar. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, you're playing bad. Are they supposed to cheer when you're playing yeah. bad? And then, and, well, badly. And, and ownership, and ownership took note of that, and then here came the apologies from But, but I don't understand as players. a player, this is the way this thing works. This ain't, we ain't doctors, we ain't lawyers. If you play good, People cheer you. And then, if you play bad, people boo you. That's the deal you make with fans, and, and then, that's the deal. And then in a city like New York, if you're the man on the team, got to expect it. Yeah. Heavy, oh, is no, the, no. heavy is the head that wears the crown. the crown. Oh, very well said. You're the man. They expect you to play that great coming? every night. Well, and especially you Luke think about— Still O'Neal, that's what could work. But you think, you think about last year, too, though. I mean— he could do no wrong, and he was the darling. Well, they're not playing great this I know, year. I know. No. So, exactly. and so it's your mom, five. she's such a she's a saint. Thank you. You know the other I love Miss Lucille. Thank you. you know the other she's a saint. You, you get in New York probably, but you don't get in. You're a Saint Bernard, <laughs> <a> ugly <laughs> old dog. You get in Philadelphia. <laughs> and you get it in.
Charles Barkley is 100% correct. I don't know what these players are thinking, but you're a professional athlete. When you play bad, you're going to get booed. When you do something great, you're going to get cheered. That's the bottom line. The Knicks are not um, playing to their expectation. They're under 500. They're right now out of the playoff race, I believe. Excuse me. And Randall, who could do no wrong, I think Kenny made that point, last year has not had a very good season. He was he stunk in the playoffs, and he's basically been playing average so far this season. So, of course, they're going to get booed. And guess what? Fans boo players when they're playing bad. It's motivation. As a fan, I know it. I will bet on a game, and my team is stinking. I will talk so much crap. I'll even you know, talk crap about Kevin Durant or this or that. These guys are my favorite. Why do we do it? Motivation. We want them to take that, to hear how how we feel about their poor play, and we want them to fuel to use that as fuel. Go into halftime and yell at each other and yell at their coach and have the coach yell at them and say, do you hear them booing us out there? Let's go. We're getting booed out of our own stadium and come out in the second half and, and win the game. And guess what, guys? If the booing didn't work, why'd you come back and win? So that's the whole point. You don't like it, get out the kitchen. You don't like the heat, get out the kitchen. This is New York. It's Madison Square Garden. All right? I don't. That was a Boston accent. What am I doing? It's New York. It's Madison Square Garden. Okay? The mecca of basketball. You're going to get booed when you play bad. Enough is enough. All right. We're down to our final, um, our final segment. We're going to talk really quickly about this. We're going to tie tie up with a nice, with a nice bow. This Antonio Brown situation. So the Bucks yesterday officially cut Antonio Brown, and Bruce Arians spoke with the media, and he finally gave us the full story, pretty much on everything that went down with Antonio Brown. So I think this is very important. Um, I want to say it's about a minute and a half. So just take a listen. Uh, this is something we all need to hear. Obviously, we let Antonio go today. Um, just to clear you up on some things that happened. At no point in time during that game did he ever ask the trainer or doctor about his ankle. He never went through. That's the normal protocol. You go through protocols during games. I was never notified of it. So obviously that was a, the disturbing thing when we were looking for him to go back into the game. All right, we always had, uh, he was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted. Got that calmed down. Players took care of that. It started again on the sideline. We called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game. He refused to go in the game. That's when I looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach. Um, I then went back, approached him about what was going on. Uh, I ain't playing. What's going on? I ain't getting the ball. That's when I said, you're done. Get the F out of here. And that's the, that's the, that's the end of it. And uh, we, are work, we are working on Carolina. That's the end of the story. And um, hopefully it ends today. Let me just say this. 
Bruce Arians is a tough-nosed, like 68-year-old, whatever, however old he is, um, man from Pennsylvania. And I just got to say this. I would not want to get on Bruce Arians' bad side. He put it mildly when he said he told him to get the F out of there. I'm sure it was a lot worse than that. But yeah, one guy you don't want to mess with, one Bruce Arians. That is for sure. So we'll see what happens with this whole thing. I doubt, I'm not, uh, you know, I can't say for sure. I doubt we see Antonio Brown in the NFL again. Unless, barring this whole situation with his ankle is true. Um, it's very hard to sit here and, and say that it's not true when he is giving, listing doctors' names, saying everything wrong with his ankle. I mean, they said on air, I, for, I, I think it was the, you know, uh, maybe the Michael K show, one of these shows, that O'Malley guy is, is literally the top doctor. They know, he, he's legit. They know who he is. So he's coming in hot with with real names, with, with, with real, you know, things, MRIs, he said he's got, he's going to get surgery with this guy as well. So somewhere something went wrong so yeah this is this is something that that that's going to play out in the coming weeks okay what to watch this weekend we've got i spoke about it earlier chargers at raiders that's got to be the biggest game of the weekend uh that's a sunday night game on nbc we know playoff spot on the line whoever wins is in uh, number two, we've got Cavs at Warriors. That is Sunday at 8.30 on NBA TV. This is a big game because it is possibly Clay Thompson's return, okay? Um, with the team sort of slumping these last few games, Steph Curry's a little dinged up. This is the game that Clay Thompson is supposed to play in, so it's going to be must-watch. Okay, number three, we've got tonight, 7.30, the Bucks at Nets. This is on ESPN. These are probably the team, uh, the East's two best teams. They were in the Eastern Conference um, Finals a year ago. Okay, these are the two best teams. Even though the Bulls are one, are number one in, in, in the East right now, they're they're a cute team. They're a cute team, but I don't expect them to be there at the end of this thing. So this should be a good game. Um, I'm not sure if Giannis is going to play. I know he missed the last game. I don't know if that was a COVID protocol situation or just um, a non-COVID related illness, as they're calling these things lately. So let me just jump in real quick and see if Giannis is playing tonight. He is probable tonight. He is a game-time decision, but he is probable. Yeah, it was a non-COVID illness, so I expect him to play. That should be a great game. I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to bet on my nets. I might lay off of this game just because, but we'll see. Number four, 49ers at Rams. That's a Sunday. Uh, that's 425 on Fox. Um, playoff spot is on the line. And yeah, who's going to play quarterback for the Niners? That is the big question. And then five, you've got the Saints at the Falcons. That's also a 4 p.m., 425 uh, game on Fox. Same situation. Saints are in with a win and a San Fran loss. If I missed anything, I apologize. We're right about the one hour mark, so we're going to wrap this thing up with a little bit of on this date in sports. Let's take it all the way back to January 7th. 2010 when Alabama defeated Texas in the BCS national championship game after knocking quarterback Colt McCoy out of the game early on 
It marked the first Crimson Tide title since 1992, the year I was born, and the first title under Nick Saban. They now go for title number seven Monday against Georgia, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Let's take a listen to that 2010 BCS National Championship before we get out of here. Both is hurt. That means the untested freshman, that's Garrett Gilbert. He's right out of Austin. Texas ahead after the turnover as McCoy will walk back to the locker room. And off Richardson bolts up the middle to the end zone. This could be a touchdown. Put it on the board for Bama. Here's Gilbert, that inside shuttle pass. Incomplete. Uh, incomplete or is it a fumble? Picked up by Darius. Darius in the air. Darius going for the end zone. That could be a touchdown. Gilbert has got a man open. Touchdown, Texas. Shipley's second of the night. A freshman growing up before your eye. Cody leads Ingram. Ingram battles second effort. Touchdown. The bear would be proud. And there you have it. That was, wow. What was that? 12 years ago, Nick Saban winning his first national championship. He now goes for number seven on Monday night. And I believe, I believe Alabama is coming into this game against Georgia as three point underdogs. If I saw correctly, I'm going to jump ahead and try to find this right now. Um, Huh? Okay, yeah, College Football National Championship. Here we go. Yeah, unbelievably, Georgia is three-point favorites against Alabama. We know what happened in their uh, stomping, 41-24 stomping in the Big 12, uh, excuse me, in the SEC Championship game where Bama won that game. Bama then um, pretty much dominated uh, 26-7 over, uh, or 27-6 over Cincinnati, right? They're the hottest team in football right now in college. I am not, never, never, never betting against Nick Saban. I am taking Bama plus three and will probably take them uh, money line, which is plus 125 right now. I would hop on this sooner rather than later. Could things with COVID surprise us? And, you know, yeah, sure, they could. Bryce Young could get COVID today and miss this game. But the value is too good to pass up. So that's my big big ticket pick um, for this week, and that is going to be Bama at plus three or Bama money line. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope you guys uh, enjoy this final weekend of NFL football. Jets, Giants fans, you don't have to go through the misery much longer. Just one more game left. That about wraps it up. I'm the Pody. I'll see everybody next week. Take care. <laughs>